Hello, adventurers, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the magical world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy epic fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our second season, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, book one in the Age of Azuria series. But today, we have a special bonus episode exploring the legend of Hugh and Lilia that Katarina references in chapter one of Buried Heroes, which you can listen to in the previous episode. One of the things I love about Azuria is getting to play with the interconnected stories that make up the world and its past. This podcast provides an exciting outlet in that as well, because I can change up the order of the stories and dip back for a little bit, uncover the lore, and then move forward in the narrative differently than I do in the novels. So this excerpt of The Ballad of Hugh and Lilia comes from Song of Parting, a second prequel novella for the series. It, like Buried Heroes, is available at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite book retailer. I also wanted to announce that I've just released an early access copy of Story Magic, the newest novella in the Age of Azuria series, for my fiction patrons. If you're interested in a monthly short story and early access to upcoming books, including Story Magic, head over to patreon.com slash groveguardianpress and look for the Fae and Damon tiers. Let's go back into Azuria's past and start our adventure. Hugh leaned back against a tree, his eyes roving from left to right through the surrounding forest. The spirit had to be somewhere. He sighed and rested the back of his head on the bark. If only he could blend into the forest as the spirits did. But he remained an outsider to these woods. The spirit stirred again, sending ripples of energy darting around his feet through the layers of roots and fungi hidden beneath the cover of leaves and dirt. More of the lichen are here among us. Watch them. He and his people never took more than their share, but the earth remained hesitant to welcome them, Fenrir's second people. Lead them, help them adapt, the wolf god had said. He was trying. He pushed himself off the tree and followed after the spirit, rolling each step gently from heel to toe. Snap! He groaned as a twig cracked in two beneath his boot. Now any creature within the nearest acre would know where he was. A blur of pale yellow sunlight rushed past him. He spun to chase it. If the spirit was truly calling him, he shook his head. Was this nothing more than wishful thinking to distract himself from the necessity of hunting in the fey woodland? Then beams of light filtered through the canopy ahead, creating rays of their own and lighting the world in a warm green glow. He continued deeper into the wood than he'd yet ventured. The green grew darker as the trees thickened, as though dusk had fallen early and he had entered a realm of twilight. The spirit pulsed up ahead, calling him. Why do you hunt in my wood? A woman's voice dashed around the trees as though they spoke and not she. Hugh froze, searching the forest for the speaker. I... Forgive me, lady, I did not know this was your wood. Not even a leaf moved in the trees around him. The forest held its breath. A woman with pale golden skin slipped from behind one of the old oaks and stepped forward. Her green longbow, covered in vines, was pulled taut, its arrow aimed at the center of his chest. Did you not? Dark red curls cascaded over her shoulder as she tilted her head. 
Are you sure? The spirit that had haunted him throughout the morning, that had brought him deep into the forest, blew a cold breeze against his bare neck. The wolf in his heart howled in reply. He couldn't stay here. It was time to flee or attack. And yet his own spirit had grown roots. He could not move away. Tell me. Her bright green eyes flashed. A ripple of energy struck his chest. A spirit called to me, guided me here. The woman's face betrayed no emotion. Was she going to shoot him? She stepped closer. Her golden skin glinted in the low forest light. Is that so? It is, lady. He bowed his head once and returned his gaze to hers. And why might it have called you, Hugh of the Lycan? The question glimmered behind her eyes. Was she alone in this wood? Were her people nearby? To find you, mistress of the dark wood. The woman lowered her bow halfway and let sack the string. She studied him a moment longer, and her lips stretched into a smile. Very well, Hugh of the Lycan, we have met. What now? She was nothing like the women of his pack. Despite the straightforward air of her speech, hidden meanings flickered through the shadows behind her utterances. He chose his words carefully, not wishing to offend her or startle her into fleeing back into the depths of the wood. The custom among my people would be for you to tell me your name, as you already know mine. Around them, the forest light dimmed, concentrating on the woman before him. Flecks of gold danced in her eyes and across her skin. Still, she watched him with amusement. And if it is not the custom of mine to tell it, what then? Hugh allowed himself to smile. If she'd wanted to kill him, she would have already. I shall have to uncover it or invent one myself for the time being. She took another step and lowered the longbow to her side. A breeze picked up. The spirits tied. The wind carried oak moss, cinnamon, and myrrh through his nostrils. For the time being... She smiled again and disappeared into the thick copse behind her. Lilia grinned to herself as she departed. The lichen were, as her mother had said, intriguing but easily captivated. She and her people hadn't much room to complain, being recent arrivals from the Brightlands themselves. But their seers had foretold of a curse, of heartbreak, betrayal, and separation brought about by the lichen. She needed to find out more on her own. Where were you this morning, child? Enid's voice encircled her daughter and pulled her closer. Lilia met her eyes. You know very well, mother. Was your curiosity satisfied? You know that also. Her mother laughed. What I truly knew was that I was going to have trouble from you. I should have made you from a different part of myself, but I could not bear it. Lilia shook her head. The Fae Queen had formed her from a collection of spring twigs, leaves, and grasses, and over a period of thirty days, poured some of her life energy into them. Her mother was fond of taking credit for Lilia's idiosyncrasies, her endless questions about the ways of life so quickly accepted by the rest of their people. Come, daughter. Enid reached out for her hand. The council would speak with us. Yes, Rhea. Lilia walked beside her mother over the moss-covered stones, cool and wet against her bare feet. Their people stopped as their queen and her daughter passed, bowing their heads outside their tree hollows or pausing along the sweeping vine passageways above. Enid smiled and acknowledged each of them. She was much beloved by their people. Lilia, less so. She couldn't shake her astonishment at her encounter with the lichen. He had seemed so startled by her. 
Was he truly unaware of their home in the heart of the forest? Mottled sunlight shone down into the meeting grove, and Eden released her daughter's hand to speak with the seers. They bowed to their queen, the dark tips of their leafy robes caressing their dried leafy cousins on the forest floor. The younger seers gathered beside the sacred stream that trickled through the clearing, and the rest of the fae followed behind their queen and spread slowly around the verdant circle. Dryads leaned out of their tree trunks to follow the proceedings. Erevenor, Lilia's white antlered doe, poked her head through the greenery, and she hurried to her side. Shh. Lilia cooed as she stroked the creature's nose. Are you supposed to be here? The doe's eyes widened, asking her friend and mistress the same question. Mother insisted, I swear. We've all gathered. Lilia laid her forehead against her companions and then watched as her flower-clad antlers and frostbite rump disappeared into the dark woods embrace. Awanil smiles upon you, Rayana. A smooth tuner voice rumbled softly behind her. Lilia turned. Dagnan, the youngest council member, watched her. And why might you think that? The hunter guardian sends one of his prized spirit creatures, a sign of goodness, fortune, and prosperity to your side. At such a time as this, it bodes well. Such a time as what, Daldagnan? Come sit next to your mother, and you shall see. He smiled and extended his hand. Lilia's gold fingers slid over his evergreen palm, his skin the texture of a sun-warm stone lifted from the riverbank. He held her hand in both of his and walked backward to the edge of the circle, depositing her beside her mother. Eden lifted an eyebrow in surprise, but Lilia shook her head. She and her mother both knew Dagnan did not intend the gesture as a sign of intention to the rest of the community. His primary objective remained influence over the Fae, but wooing the Rayana would not help his quest for increased power. Dagnan bowed to his fellow council members and took his seat along the low-hanging branch of the Terra tree. Kriane, the elder, rose to speak. My friends, we come together at this urgent time. While the sun finds her peak above us, darkness gathers beyond our horizons, though it is not the darkness we had feared. The eldest seer paused as a collective wave of surprise crested over the gathering. Beyond our own plain, across the heavens and below, ill intent gathers. The brewing storm will spell the end. Muffled cries rang out across the circle. Speak plainly. What does she mean? What have you seen? Kriane raised her hands for silence. Our people, change is upon us, whether we would seek it or not. This world will be the battleground across the ages. As the Fae who have walked upon this new earth, we must decide where we stand. Lilia's eyes bounded over the gathering of her people. The sparks of unease in her chest and stomach burned in the eyes of those around her. What was this growing darkness? The Fae did not fear the day or the night. They were simply reflections of one another. The ill intent Kriane spoke of mattered more. Her mother's mouth pressed in a tight line, but she did not seem as distressed or surprised at this news as the rest of the community. The queen had seen something. Their eyes met. I have been asking you to prepare, have I not? She whispered. Yes, you have, mother, but why? The queen laid her hand on Lilia's shoulder. You will soon see. Hugh jerked his bow aside at the last moment, and the arrow flew far afield, narrowly missing the doe's flank. It had appeared almost by magic, one of Iwano's messengers, a white antler doe blessed by the forest spirit. 
The great creature watched him with its left eye, daring him to come closer. Hugh slung his longbow across his back and held out his hands as he crept forward. The doe had to know he meant it no harm. It was only an antlered hare, he soothed, his voice low. He'd been pursuing the smaller creature when the doe appeared before him. Nothing like you, save its head attire. They're mean little brutes. The doe continued to watch him as he inched closer. Why have you come to me, eh? Are you hurt? The creature stood erect, an ivory blaze in the deeply shaded forest. A tinge of hope lightened his voice. Do you want to show me something? The doe darted away into the trees, and Hugh cursed. He'd be a fool not to follow it. Two days in a row he was chasing after spirits in the wood. Each time he was sure he'd lost the trail or that the doe was beyond him, a rustle in the trees or flash of white appeared to spur him on. There, at the top of a ridge, its silhouette darted behind an ancient oak tree. Hugh picked up his pace. Surely he was getting close now. Whap! A gnarled branch flew out from behind the oak and struck his forehead. Hugh cried out in alarm and stumbled back. He fell hard against the leaf-headed ground, and a root bruised his hip for good measure. A two-legged silhouette bearing antlers stood poised above him. Hugh scrambled back and called upon the wolf inside him, ready to make his escape. Clouds shifted overhead, and light returned to the forest. The golden woman from the day before planted the end of her quarterstaff, the branch that had struck him, and the earth beside her. "'Are you hunting, my companion?' She raised an auburn eyebrow, studying him. Hugh rubbed his head. As he'd suspected, his hand came away sticky with blood. "'I wasn't. The doe found me.' He pushed himself up onto his elbows to get a better look at the fey woman who was staring down at him, amused by his plight. "'Did you send it after me, then? And the spirit yesterday, too?' The woman's grin widened. "'So self-flattering, these lichen.' She shook her head. "'No, she found you on her own and brought you to me.' "'And you're not curious why?' "'Perhaps I am.' "'Can you ask her?' His head was foggy, but from everything he'd heard about the fae, they could speak to woodland creatures as easily as he was speaking to her now. "'I will, in time.' The trees at the edge of his vision dimmed once more as Hugh's head spun. He crunched the leaves beneath his palms as he balled his hands into a fist to refocus, growling under his breath. "'You've received quite a blow to the head, hmm?' She knelt down and peered at his wound. "'You should know the answer to that,' he groaned. The woman laid her staff on the ground and placed her hands on either side of his face. Her touch was cool, and immediately the pounding of his bloodstream slowed. The urge to transform into his wolf form drifted slowly away through the woods. Ellen, I, she said in a low voice. The soft kiss of an invisible spirit graced his brow, and the wound began to heal. Thank you, lady. He blinked to clear his vision and catch a closer look at her. The gold of her complexion was a covering of some sort. Ivory skin with a silver glow peeked out from underneath the gilded flecks. What is it that you and your people are doing here, Hugh of the Lycan? He chuckled. If only I could give you a clear answer, mistress. He turned his gaze to the soft blue of the sky. Finrir instructed me to lead, and here we are. He said the path would be difficult, but if we could find a way to survive, eventually we would be able to make a home here and shape a new world. The fae smiled. Your god is vague, though he makes hefty promises. The center of her lips were a dark rose pink beneath the gold covering. The shimmering powder was denser along her fingers, which looked solid gold, than it was over the delicate curves of her face. 
Long stretches of ivory skin hid beneath the leaves and vines of her garments. Do your gods speak plainly to you, and ours alone speak in riddles? I suppose that depends upon the one to whom we speak. She looked away. The verdant light of the forest darted across her features as she studied the woods. For myself, I prefer to find answers elsewhere. She stood and placed her palm against the oak tree. In the bright lands, the gods spoke differently. I could feel them in the earth and air. A landscape of invisible memory spread across her features, tugging her away from the forest around them. How plain must this woodland that he and his people found so mesmerizing, so abundant, seem to her. That sounds magical, he said finally. Most things are. Hugh grinned. His senses had calmed enough for him to trust his feet once more. He pushed himself up from the ground and knocked the dirt off of his jacket and breeches. Might I ask your name again, forest mistress? Lilia, she smiled. Gods. Daughter of the Queen of the Enid? Yes. Her eyes flashed, laughing at him, and once again she turned to disappear into the forest. Wait, Hugh yelled after her. Why do you keep showing yourself to me? She paused, her profile in sharp contrast to the trees behind. That we will have to see, Hugh of the Lichen. The white doe thundered out of the woods and stopped before her. She placed her bare foot in a vine strung around its side and swung herself onto its back before the two of them tore away into the depths of the forest. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Song of Parting and the world of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at bethballauthor or on Twitter at groveguardian, or you can email me beth at bethballbooks.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Song of Parting, a prequel novella for the Age of Azuria series situated between Aurora and Buried Heroes. You can purchase all of the books in the Age of Azuria series, including Song of Parting and Buried Heroes, at bethballbooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. Look for the Fae and Damon Tears. We return to Buried Heroes on Tuesday, April 13th for Chapter 2. The theme song for this podcast was created by Garrett Rose of The Bardic Inspiration, who you can find on Instagram or Patreon at The Bardic Inspiration. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.